This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use and provides general information only and does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations or needs. BT Investment Talk by BT Investment Solutions is a monthly podcast produced exclusively for Australian financial advisors. Our investment experts, together with some of the world's leading fund managers, will provide thought leadership on a wide range of investment topics. Investment Talk is all about looking beyond the numbers, helping advisors cut through the noise, enabling them to have meaningful investment and portfolio construction conversations with their clients. Hello and welcome to another episode of BT Invest Talk. I'm Tim Mugglestone, investment specialist with the BT Investments team. For today's episode, we are going to look at one of our Australian equity managers, Real Index. And to help us with this task, we are lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Joanna Nash, Portfolio Manager for the Real Index Australian Share Fund, who has over 15 years of quantitative investment experience uh, and will be able to provide us with some unique insights into portfolio construction within the equity space. Also joining us today is Martina Yang, Portfolio Analyst with the BT Equities team. Martina is responsible for the construction of our equity sector funds and can help us understand how the real index strategy fits within BT's multi-manager approach. Um, thank you both so much for your time today. It is a great opportunity for our listeners to learn a bit more about the domestic environment and how strategies can look to provide alpha in what has been a very unique last few years with COVID. Okay, so I think the best spot to start um, would probably be an introduction to the, the real index strategy. So Joanna, could you give us a bit of a high-level rundown on your process? Yeah, sure. Thanks for, for having me on here today, Tim. So Real Index was established back in, in 2008 and is a wholly owned subsidiary of First Century Investors or FSI. Um, we're a systematic quantitative manager and we manage over $28 billion across global, Australian and emerging markets. The majority of this, about $20 billion or so, is actively managed and we have just over $8 billion in index strategies which cover both Australia and global markets. We're a team of 15 people with five members in our portfolio management and investment side, seven members in our research and system side, and then three in our client servicing side. Being part of FSI means that we rely on the larger organisation for many of our back office and support areas like operations, legal, compliance and trading, but we're independent of the other investment teams. So we come to think of ourselves a little bit like a boutique within that larger investment organisation, having the benefits of the large scale, but also being nimble and flexible like a boutique manager. Our key offering, which dates back to our establishment, is called our accounting weighted portfolios. And this is the portfolio that we're talking about here for the Australian market. These portfolios rank stocks based on their accounting measure of firm size rather than a price measure, which is what we more commonly see in uh, the indices in the market, such as the ASX 200. What these accounting weighted portfolios do is that they use inputs like sales, book value, cash flows, et cetera, to get an idea of the economic size of the firm and then weight the firms in the portfolios according to that size. So this is a little bit in contrast to those cap-weighted portfolios where their weights are based on the price times the number of shares. And so as your price increases, your weight increases. And so you tend to get sort of momentum exposure in those types of portfolios. What we tend to get though, is that we tend to get a, a value bias in our portfolios because it tends to be that these well-established or, or value type of firms are the ones that have these strong cash flows, these large book values, et cetera, to have a large economic size. 
We, this is in contrast to some of the, the growth type of firms that you'll see in the market, where often their market valuations, their prices are dependent on future revenues um, or future earnings that haven't yet actually occurred. And so in our process, when we're looking for sales and, 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 and book values and cash flows that have occurred, these type of growth firms tend to have a, a smaller weight in our portfolios and hence we get that, that value bias. What we also do run is we actually run a number of traditional beta one quantitative strategies as well. And these overweight and underweight stocks relative to a benchmark based upon our, our alpha insights. And you know, with the view that obviously the stocks that we think are going to outperform, we overweight, and the stocks that we think are going to underperform, we underweight. And then finally, as I mentioned previously, we have about $8 billion or so in some cap-weighted index money for both those global and Australian markets. Okay, perfect. I think it's a, it's a good place to start. And I, I think especially for our listeners, uh, it's a very different type of equity fund than most of them would be exposed to. When you're talking about traditional market cap, bottom up, very based, very much based on stock stories or, or thematics. Um, so I'd be keen to kind of to delve a bit deeper as we go through the podcast today. Um, I did just want to pass over to Martina, who I know you obviously spend a lot of time looking at uh, a very broad range of Australian equity funds. Uh, I just want to see, do, do those points that Joanna raised, um, do they kind of ring true about how you look at real index within your wider portfolio? Thanks, Tim. Uh, Joanna covers it off really well. Uh, what we particularly like about Real Index's approach is that it gives us a systematic and highly transparent approach to gaining exposure to the value factors in a low cost and predictable fashion. So we like that Real Index exhibits uh, consistent exposure to value characteristics, as opposed to some fundamental approaches where the subjective elements can at times result in the erosion of the factor premium. In addition to this, we get this clean exposure to the value factor in a relatively low risk manner, which helps on the downside. We find this uh, to be quite differentiated compared to other Aussie value managers that can have volatile alpha pattern, patterns at times. Um, at the same time, Real Index does have an advantage over other naive value index providers by incorporating their proprietary enhancements overlay, which improves the overall portfolio return while maintaining its core characteristics. Okay, and I think obviously I will probably talk about it a bit later around that diversification and, and how value fits into the wider portfolio. Um, but kind of before we speak a bit more about strategy that Joanna uses, I was kind of wondering from a, a BT perspective, obviously as a multi-manager, um, what's the process that you take when you're looking at managers? Are you, are you regularly meeting up with them? Do you, once you essentially bring on a portfolio like Real Index, do you just leave, it, leave them to their own process? Um, how does that typically work for you? With all our managers, we have our quarterly updates with the team to discuss what changes are happening within the portfolio in terms of sector and stock exposures, and, you know, fundamental characteristics and risk compositions. Um, this is really an opportunity for the team as well to share with us their insights on what they're seeing in the market, as well as any updates on uh, their ongoing research. But even outside of the quarterly meetings, we'll occasionally have catch-ups to discuss uh, major research initiatives, in more of a deep dive format. So we do that with the Real Index as well. For example, we've caught up with the team to get additional insight into the evolution of their adjusted book value metric or just to hear about their research on the ESG side as well. Here, we're really trying to stress test the assumptions behind their research, you know, challenge it, pick it apart, and really just try to form an understanding of how it affects the portfolio. 
which then, of course, uh, feeds into our expectations of how it should behave. Yeah, and I, yeah, being able to have that kind of continuous exposure, um, very much a strength of that multi-manager approach that you're able to to talk to Joanna and 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 get the team's thoughts on events as they kind of break out in the market. Um, now, Joanna, I'll come back to you on on the obviously the the quant the systematic process that you you mentioned earlier. Um, just wanted to kind of delve into this a bit deeper and wanted to see if you could explain some of the the key benefits of using this, uh, the, these methods compared to the other traditional kind of market cap stocks that you mentioned? Yeah, sure. So I would say it, it's interesting because often people think quants are, are very different to sort of your fundamental managers. But in a way, I say that, that I think that they're very similar. We just, we're trying to digest the same information. We just do it in, in slightly different ways. So uh, your traditional fund manager, uh, your fundamental manager will sort of hold a, a stock of 20 to 30 stocks, know these stocks really well, um, and sort of have this very concentrated portfolio. Whereas what we tend to find with the quant managers that we hold sort of out of the, say, the ASX 300, we'd hold 200 to 250 of those names. And then um, and we use our models to sort of help us predict which are the stocks that are likely to, to outperform. Now, people often go, okay, that's the, the black box of quant. We don't know what's in these models. But in actual fact, what's in these models are exactly the same bits of information that fundamental managers are looking at as well. So fundamental managers will look at earnings of stocks. They'll look at you know, what analysts are saying, they'll participate in, in conference calls and so forth. And we do exactly the same sort of thing. We just do it in, a, I guess, a more objective manner by using numbers to sort of rank our, our stocks and, and give a, a relative uh, measure to them. So we'll look at the earnings of a stock relative to what's happening in other stocks in the market. We'll look to see if their earnings are increasing at a higher rate than the others. We'll look at even subjective things like governance of a company and sort of say, okay, we'll rank all those stocks based on different governance metrics to still give an insight into those same things that the fundamental managers will look at. Um, and so I think the thing that then comes out of that is that in quant portfolios, we tend to hold a larger number of names than the fundamental managers do, leading to what we consider a more diversified portfolio. And so with that diversification, we often come with a, a lower risk than some of those are more concentrated fundamental portfolios. And so what we tend to say is that we take a large number of small bets on stocks, whereas a, a fundamental manager will sort of take a, a small number of, of large bets. But ultimately, we're still looking at that same information. We're just, as I said, digesting it in a slightly different way. Yeah, so, so similar in terms of process, but I, I think that piece on the, the black box of quantitative investment management very much rings true. Um, I think it's, it's far easier to explain some of the other managers, um, I, I think, in, in that, you know, that one sentence, uh, whereas in what you said around being able to just processing that information, both the subjective and the objective information, uh, is, a, is, a, is a really good point. Um, now, you obviously did speak about the, the value element uh, that, that Real Index does have. Um, and one of the kind of key pieces or key arguments against value investing over the last few years is that it doesn't really take into account um, the intangibles that we're seeing on company balance sheets uh, as the economy is getting ever more asset lots. Um, I was just wondering, are there particular ways that Real Index get past these challenges? Um, obviously, it would, would have been something that you've come across over the last few years. Yeah, no, that's 100% true. We've seen, as you've seen more and more 
IT, internet, sort of fintech style of, of businesses come come into the market, then this is an issue that we've, we've had to deal with. And, and you're 100% correct. Companies are more and more becoming asset light as they become more digitalized. And this is not only your, your, your fintech type of companies, but all companies. And so we need a way to be able to measure those sort of digital assets in a way so that we can get a we can capture the correct economic footprint or the economic size of the of the company and so we have um been looking at this uh, for a number of um you know for a number of periods or so and so what we've done is we've actually wanting to take into those intangibles into account. We realise that all of the R&D that these companies are doing, the platforms that they're using to base their businesses on are important assets that need to be taken into consideration when we look at that economic size. And so we've made um, adjustments to the way that we calculate our book value in order to take those intangibles into account. So to take things like R&D, to take things like brand value into account. And then so now what we're hoping is that we will better capture some of these, you know, technology or internet heavy companies, as well as also just better capture uh, the current companies as they move into sort of the, the, the digital age, if you want to think about it like that. And so that we can think about capturing those digital assets as well. Okay. And I think that makes sense that you need the process to develop as the market develops. Uh, there'll always be factors that you need to take into account and kind of add into that investment process. Um, just continuing on the the trend of you know the, the value discussion. Obviously, it's had a very tough run since the GFC, uh, and uh, I know there have been periods of strength, especially over the last two years, where you, you've seen rally uh, in the in the value factor. Does your team have a particular outlook how the the next few years um, will, will go down for value managers? Yeah. So, so as you as you said, obviously, uh, value managers had a bit of a, a tough run, and of course, you know, with the recent uh, run of value, we'd like to see that extend for a long period into the future. Um, and and you know, we have we've seen some very strong performance in the funds, not only in the last twelve months, but especially uh, since sort of December or so last year. And what we we do believe is that actually look, there's some more room for value to run here. Now, why why do we see that? Well, you know, as I'm sure. You know, we're all aware, well aware of. We've been, you know, living with COVID, dealing with COVID in the last two years or so, and and through that process, as we've seen the different strains of COVID come through, we've been hearing about supply chain issues and inflation that's coming through from those supply chain issues. And what was initially the market's believed to be very much more transitory in nature, as those different ways went through, what. I think the market's coming to realise is that these issues are sort of going to be here for a little bit longer. So these trend, these the little spikes that we saw up in inflation are actually lasting a little bit longer than we think. And we're starting to see the central banks starting to look at this and, and either having increased rates or thinking about increasing rates and talking about increasing them a lot quicker than what we had expected. And so with those, um, you know, that new situation, as, as we've seen sort of factories shut down, as we had the spike in, in supply issues, now we've got workers who have to isolate as they get, as we move to this, you know, living with COVID aspect, we're, get, we're still having these supply issues. And that's unlikely to finish anytime soon. And so with that, you know, when we've seen the recent numbers, the CPI numbers in the US come through, they're sort of, you know, at, at levels that we haven't seen in, you know, at least since the GFC. And so we're seeing that, you know, the central banks are starting to move a bit earlier than they mentioned. They're, they're talking about more rate rises than were, was previously priced in in the market. And so we've seen a sharp rise in, especially in the, the shorter term rates as well as those longer term rates. 
And that's that bodes well for, for value stocks. So that sort of environment with those raising rates are very much something that will work well for the value stocks. And so that's why um, we still believe that there's a little bit more to run in the in the value rally that we've seen so far. Okay, that's um that that's good to hear. And I, I know it's the the same story that most advisors will be hearing every day, uh, especially through January. The the story of of rates and kind of how they're predicted to move this year, especially in the US. Um, so yeah, it's, it's 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 great that that is more of a tailwind for value managers uh, than a lot of other equity managers out in the space. Um, now, Martina, um, on on your side, real index they do obviously have this high exposure to value factors. Um, when you're looking at the the Aussie equity sector and the the sec- sector funds that the team manages, um, how does it typically impact from a diversified perspective? How does it impact all the other funds that we do have? Yeah, I might just start this one off by touching on the principles of our portfolio construction. So when we do construct multi-manager portfolios, the idea is to have a lineup that reflects our highest conviction managers. Managers will have their own respective investment philosophies and processes that can come with certain style of factor biases that we want to control for in the portfolio construction process. We still expect our managers to outperform in the long run but recognise that in the short-term performance patterns can vary due to differences in these alpha drivers. So then we try to employ diversified strategies uh, with counter-cyclical performance drivers to reduce the volatility of the multi-manager portfolio's alpha. To that end, the role Real Index plays in our multi-manager portfolio is to really provide that exposure to value. This helps balance out some of the other managers that have more growth or quality-oriented biases. You know, through our risk models and analysis that we run, we can see that real index is lowly correlated with our other managers in the portfolio. Uh, this style and process diversification is essential in helping us achieve a portfolio with more consistent returns through differing economic and investment market cycles. I think, I think that's, 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 that's perfect to hear, especially as uh, I know when we, we talk about all of our funds, we look at that seven to 10 year time frame. Uh, and really, you know, looking to generate the the smoothest line, getting from A to B. Uh, so, so having a, a balance of factors um, and just that diversification within each sleeve of our funds is is a really key factor. Now, moving a bit away from the portfolio construction perspective, um, I did want to talk about uh, the concept of ESG. Obviously, it is becoming a, a really uh, popular thematic that we're seeing within the market at the moment. So, Joanna, I just wanted to kind of get your view, obviously from a quantitative perspective, um, as ESG becomes more uh, important, uh, is there particular research that you're doing around responsible investing or incorporating that into that quantitative approach? Yeah, there is. And so, and as you correctly said, we've seen lots of interest in ESG and this has varied uh, whether it's be to exclude certain firms from, from people's portfolios or whether they want us to try and figure out solutions to, to current problems like how do I invest for, for net zero. But, um, and, and, you know, that, that quantitative nature for our portfolio allows us to very easily do that customization, as Martina spoke about before, in order to meet the client's needs. Um, with, with the ESG, what we're looking at for that in, in order to try and sort of improve some of the enhancements layer that, again, Martina had um, uh, mentioned previously, is we look to try and find insights that will give some alpha for our clients. Uh, so we're not just looking to incorporate ESG for the sake of it. We're very much looking to see, you know, is there some sort of information 
within the E, S or G of a company where we can sort of get some insight as to how the company works in order to, to try and, and get that, that alpha opportunity. And two of the more recent additions that we've put into the model, which I think are actually pretty interesting, are looking at both carbon and diversity. So if you look at carbon initially, what we do is we view a measure of carbon intensity, which is carbon emissions over, over sales, as a proxy for a firm's productivity. So where do we get this from? Well, anytime a firm produces something, whether it's uh, you know using electricity or whether it's uh, factory emissions or, or transport or so forth, there's some sort of carbon emission that goes with it. And so if a firm is able to, to use that, that input effectively and produce more output by using that same level of input, they're being more productive. And so we can use this measure of carbon intensity to get an insight or a proxy to that firm's productivity. And so obviously firms that are more productive are using their resources better, their assets better, they should be more profitable firms. And so this is one way where we're using this insight into the environment or E to give us a sort of a linkage between that and the, the product, the product the profitability, sorry, of the company, which will hopefully then allow us to sort of find those companies that are likely to, to outperform. Likewise, when we look at diversity, this is another area of research that's been very interesting. We've seen, we've, you know, there's lots of research saying that, you know, more diverse firms are better run and are more profitable. But again, we need a way to measure that and actually to prove that and then see if we can use that insight into to the firm. So what we've seen is that there's, Lots of measures of diversity at the board level, which is which is interesting. But what's going to be more useful is to try and get an idea of how diverse the actual company is itself and the, and the management side. And and it's been a little bit harder to get that insight. That data is not so readily available. And this is where I guess the, the skills of the quant come in. So what we've been able to do is we've been able to get uh, one of our newer data sources and been able to construct what that diversity measure of different firms, not only in Australia, but globally look like. And we've actually been able to see that those more diverse firms do tend to be more profitable. They have higher returns on, on, on equity, et cetera. And so the other interesting part, and the, the best bit is in actual fact that that part isn't priced in by the market yet. And so there's an alpha opportunity there to try and bet with those firms that are more diverse or improving their diversity. And that's sort of used as one of those insights that Martina um, spoke about before in that enhancements layer to sort of... Um, improve the the performance of, of the fund okay it's, it's definitely uh, an interesting way to look and probably, probably not how most of the conversations around esg typically go um but i'm very much looking forward to kind of see what data sources in the future um you'll be connecting to kind of give that the esg insight and obviously looking to generate that additional alpha is always a, a big part um, now, I did just want to quickly um, go to you, Joanna, and just see if, if we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast now, uh, see if there are any kind of key takeaways um, that you just wanted to touch on uh, around your strategy so that our listeners um, can kind of get a, a good takeaway after the end of this podcast. Yeah, sure. No, I, I, hopefully I, I've given the, the listeners a bit of an insight into to what the quantitative process is. I know it's very much uh, sometimes very scary to people to sort of hear about and have this, this black box. So hopefully they understand that, Again, we're, we're digesting that same information that the, the fundamental managers are doing. We're just doing more in a, in a systematic and, I guess, sort of more objective manner. So we, we try and avoid some of the sort of behavioural biases that can occur with uh, some of the, the fundamental um, investments. And I guess what also to come out of it is, is that you tend to get this nice diversified uh, portfolio, which should hopefully then lead to sort of some lower risk for the uh, investors as well. 
Okay, so it's, it's, it's a nice way to, to finish it up, really. Um, just wanted to say another big thank you to, to both of you for your time today. Uh, the Australian equity space is, is always one of keen interest uh, among our listeners, and it's great to be able to provide a look through to, to some of the different strategies and, and how they can be used from a portfolio constructive construction perspective. Um, just want to say thank you all for those listening. Uh, if you'd like any more information on our solutions, you can head to our website, bt.com.au forward slash BTIS. Uh, and as always, if you have any questions or feedback, please do not hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Thank you.